0: Welcome to the NC4 Podcast. We exist to know Christ and make Him known. Discover the power of a connected life by listening to this message from God's Word. Well, greetings, NC4. In the uh, church calendar, we're in this period of time where Christmas is still celebrated up until Epiphany. So there's a good number of days for us to still be celebrating Christmas If you're from a country that was once a protectorate or part of the United Kingdom, today would be Boxing Day. As we said, we have all of our Sunday School teachers and as many other staff as possible. Today's their day of rest. Well, in the United Kingdom, this is Boxing Day where the the staff, the servants, get to have their Christmas Day because they're not having to serve everything on Christmas Day, so this is their day for that. Happy Boxing Day to you too, as well. To those of you online, some of you from England who are watching by chance, mm-hmm. okay. Um, happy Boxing Day to you too. So as we close out our year of 2021, I cannot believe already, I just got used to writing 2021. And we're already to turn to calendars to 2022 soon. Um, I knew this was gonna be a smaller gathering today, and I also knew that we'd have a good number of the kids here. And this is supposed to be a protracted message. Um, and I will do so the best I can to, to, to bring down all of my thoughts into just a shorter message. But there's a concern I would like to address. And my remarks today are going to focus primarily on uh, those concerns. And the concern is this. Uh, a number of years and months Years, weeks ago, Pastor Jack uh, taught a message in our passion series, and his message was on a passion for the Bible. And he called it um, love for love's word, is what it was. And <clears throat> And I've been receiving feedback from various departments and teachers and leaders here in the church. And a number of people are very concerned about the lack of knowledge of God's Word, that is, the Bible. And having a lack of knowledge for the Bible is a great concern to me as a pastor also. And more specifically, what I've learned about recently is an embarrassingly poor regard for the Old Testament. And even as I use the word Old Testament there's a connotation associated with that which I'd like to fix today. So if you have my, um, the title for today's message, the title is called The Bible Jesus Read, and you're gonna find out why I'm referring to it as that when we get into the scriptures. But my my first point is this one, if we, um, and that is, there are some people who are attempting to unhitch the Old Testament from the New Testament in the Bible. In other words, they want people to think of the Bible as being just the New Testament. And there are reasons for that. Why would you do that? Well, a few years ago, there was a popular mega church pastor whose name I won't mention now. He preached a message where he said Christians need to unhitch from the Old Testament. And he believed that it's necessary because the Old Testament becomes a stumbling block to faith. And it's when there are obstacles to faith, when you're trying to share their faith, he said the Old Testament is right up there that's almost near the top of the list of obstacles to causing other people to believe in God. He believes that when people struggle to believe, usually it's the Old Testament that's the culprit. And of course, fortunately, he was severely rebuked by Bible teachers all across the world who have maintained a sincere love for the Bible all of the Bible, including the Old Testament. Now, we may not admit it, but some of us perhaps once thought these same thoughts about the Old Testament. And the Old Testament sometimes does give us difficulties when we're confronted by typical cynical agnostics who talk about all of the blood and battles that are in the Old Testament, the immorality, sometimes one of some of our favorite Old Testament characters, and the critics go, what kind of a God do you worship if this is his Bible? That's what they say to us. Or perhaps you know a few red-letter red letter Christians. Now, I have a Bible here. It's my first full Bible here. And all the letters of Jesus are in red. So they're called red-letter Christians because they believe the verses of the Bible that really matter are the quotes from Jesus. Everything else we can kind of gloss over because it just doesn't matter. Whereas if Jesus didn't say it, if it's not in red letters, you know, we don't have to really follow it. Okay, there's some red-letter Christians around today. Maybe some of you know them. And so we may be tempted, and for various reasons, to also unhitch from the Old Testament. And I want to remedy that. That's my hopes today in just a few minutes that we have together today. In the 1930s, there was actually a country in the world whose government sought to severely degrade the value of the Old Testament. And that is the uh, Nazi government outlawed the Old Testament. Did you know that? Maybe some of you didn't know that. It was prohibited to teach from or to read from the Old Testament. Now, fortunately, there were other uh, because they considered the Old Testament a Jewish book, you see. So that was offensive to the Nazis. And so um, Old Testament scholarship, that means people who studied the Old Testament, it disappeared from German seminaries. They never, no longer taught the Old Testament. Religious journals in Germany, none of them were about Old Testament books. But then in the 1940s, at the height of the Nazi power, a German theologian, named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. How many of you have ever heard of Dietrich? Good, good, so you know who I'm talking about. He defiantly published a book on the Psalms. And of course, he got slapped with a fine by the German government. So he wrote letters to appeal his fine. And he said it this way. He said, he successfully argued this, by the way, that by commenting on the Psalms, he was commenting on the prayer book of Jesus Christ himself, which is true. Jesus quoted often from the Old Testament, Bonhoeffer said. And see, in my own experience, when I first began reading the Bible, I read from the New Testament because somebody gave me a good news for modern man. How many of you remember that from the 70s, all right? It was a translation in easy to understand English. It was New Testament only, but I, and somebody said, you know, Bob, you, know, you, you, should, you should get an Old Testament too. So I said, okay, so I got this Old Testament. This wasn't what it looked like at the time. But it was a, um, it had Old Testament and New Testament together. And I even put these tabbed colors on the the binding here. So I knew the Old Testament books by, because I didn't know where they were in the Old Testament. But I can quickly find them by the tabs there. And unfortunately, unfortunately, it was the King James Version. So I memorized so many volumes of scripture out of the King James. Well, what's wrong with the King James Version? The King James Version is this problem. Maybe you guys knew this too. When the NIV Bible came around, it was designed to help people to understand the Bible in their own language. Old Testament and New Testament together. That's the purpose of modern translations. That you as the reader, it seems like the words that touch your heart. Now, King James would touch people's hearts in 1611, you see. And so NIV sold their books and they said, we're writing the Bible that we believe King James would have read. And they said, why is that? Because King James had a purpose was to have the scriptures written in the language of his people in 1611, which it was. So the NIV says, we're going to write the Bible in the language of the people, which is what it was. So I learned all of this scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, in King James. (laughs) Not, not, Not the worst possible thing, but I learned some other things. Did you know in the Bible, when you're reading in the New Testament, and it ever says something like this, Moses and the law and the prophets. How many times did Jesus say that? Moses and the law and the prophets. That's referring to the Old Testament. You see, they didn't say the Old Testament. There are some reasons for that. And some narr- in some narratives, as you read, you have to know what it is you're reading. That's very important. No one explained that to me. So I'm slogging through in Leviticus saying, my gosh, this is hard to understand. Could somebody please explain this to me? And nobody took the time to talk about what it was I was trying to read and how to read it. We'll just get to that very briefly. So you have to understand this yourself. Some things in the Old Testament are what's called narrative. It's not like the New Testament, like the Gospels, all about the life of Jesus. Not so much, okay? Some of it is law. It's just a record of the law. And so it's dry, very dry. And you have to know something about Hebrew narrative. Hebrew narrative rarely provides commentary. So you're reading these horrendous things and saying... Is he presenting this as though this is good or bad? Which is it? There's no commentary on it because that's the style of Hebrew writings. And so it is true as well in the translations. Nobody explained any of that to me and I was thoroughly lost. All these dry facts about, oh my goodness, the Chronicles, all the records of the history of Israel, which by the way are very important. But then I got to the Psalms. Ah, David's songbook. And then he said, I can sing this. I can identify with this. And then there's Proverbs, Song of Solomon, beautiful poetry of the Old Testament, written likewise in couplets, which was Jewish style of writings. So other things that you ought to know too, which is very important in this. I have my full Bible here today. This is um, New American Standard in large print, which is why it looks so thick. Okay, but that's why it is. But look at this difference here. This is the Old Testament. This is the New Testament. And a commentary, too. So thoroughly, three-quarters of the Bible is the Hebrew text of the Old Testament. It's kind of hard to ignore that large section of the Bible. You understand that. And to make the New Testament stand alone, I think, is a mistake. And I hope you'll agree with me after today. So we have to understand, as Paul puts it this way, Paul said this, the Old Testament. He says, these scriptures were written down for our instruction on whom the ends of the ages has come. And then there's one author I appreciate very much. Some independent authors go out there and says, well, I'm going to do a translation of the Bible. I'll do it on my own. I don't have to have a committee of scholars. I'll do it individually. Well, somebody did that with the Old Testament. And he did a few things that I really appreciate very much. And that is this. He tried to make the word old in the Old Testament obsolete. Let me tell you why. Old used to be a respectful word. In England today, retirement homes are called old people's homes. And it's not an insult. Okay? Because old is not an insulting word. Whereas language in English has changed so much that old now means passe, about to die. Okay? obsolete. Those are the things that we think now today with the word old. So this guy says, no, it should be called the first Testament. And then the new text Testament he calls the second Testament. So I don't mind that idea of changing the name like that. The other thing is this, all through the old Testament, maybe you guys notice this, they wanted to respect God's name that he gave to Moses, the name Yahweh. That's the way we put letters in there. And some people said, we should never pronounce that name, so we're going to put capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, and make that the word for God's name. But that's very unfortunate. And this translator said that. He says, because people read that and don't know this is God's name that he gave to us. And so his translation always uses the word Yahweh. But actually, it's the tetragrammaton. That means the four-lettered name. It doesn't have vowels in it. But when I say Yahweh, I'm just trying to give a way to pronounce it. But it didn't originally have all those vowels in there. They were added later. So here's a question for us to ask. And I wish I could illustrate to you, what did Jesus' Bible look like? That is, when Jesus reads from the Bible, when he memorized the Bible when he did those things. So I'd like to come in if I had them with a pile of scrolls under my arm to show you what Jesus read. And we have that picture up there, the first one. And that is, this is what the Bible looked like to Jesus in his time. In fact, every synagogue was made a synagogue because they had a pile of these scrolls of the Old Testament. That's what the Bible was. That was Jesus' Bible. So you have to understand that. And if you go to the, the, the first one there, back it up two more, but there's one more picture I want to do. That's the Bible I know today. Okay? Unfortunately, it doesn't have the same connotations as the Bible that Jesus was reading. So go to the Jesus Bible, and let me show you the picture of how Jesus would have read it. Next picture here. And that is this. They wouldn't touch the Scriptures because human hands would degrade it over time. So they had a special stylus, usually jeweled, it was beautiful, that they used to mark the places where they were reading as they read the Hebrew scriptures. That's the Bible Jesus read, which meant he had to have read, it. well, when did he read it? He went to Hebrew school like all good Jewish boys did. Okay, that scroll, if he was reading from Isaiah, was probably 24 feet long as a scroll. When they found the Dead Sea Scrolls in 1947, those scrolls for Isaiah were 20-something feet long. Amazing to think about. That was the Bible that Jesus read. And so when Jesus says this, the spirit of the Lord has come upon me because he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. When he read this, he's reading that from a scroll that was very long. And that's the passage he says. And of course, Jesus is reading this because as Jesus proclaimed it, it was being fulfilled in his reading on that very day in synagogue. And yet, even some synagogues only had the first five books, as we know, the Torah or the Pentateuch. That's the only Bible they even had at all. So Jesus' synagogue was a little more sophisticated because it included Isaiah. And Jesus had to go there to hear the scriptures be read, to read them himself. Here's our challenge today. We have more access to the Bible than ever before in human history. So why do we seem to have less knowledge and less appreciation for the scriptures, especially the Old Testament? Why is that? Why is that? Well, some of the relationships between the Old Testament and the New Testament are profound, and we don't even realize it. There are 937 scripture citations from the Old Testament in the New Testament. Wow, that's a lot! Almost a thousand times the Old Testament is referred to in the New Testament. Saint Augustine said this. He wrote this. He said, "The New Testament is the, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. That is, the truth of the New Testament can be sought in the Old, but the New Testament." In the New Testament, the Old Testament truths are made clear. So the relationship between them is forever interlinked. In every New Testament, then, every New Testament author, whoever they were, whether it was Paul, whether it was Peter, they didn't have the advantages that we have of the New Testament. So when they used the word Scripture, we knew one thing. They're only ever using the Old Testament. Okay, so let's get to the Scriptures, can we? So how did Jesus use the Bible? So I'll bring up my points on this one, which is this. That, in fact, um, Jesus used the Bible and the Scriptures in four different ways I'm going to highlight today. He addressed the devil. He addressed doctrine. He addressed his own distress. And ultimately, he addressed discipleship by speaking to disciples. Turn to your Bibles in Matthew 20, no, Matthew 4. We'll start in Matthew. I'll stick to the book of Matthew today so you don't have to thumb too much on your tablets or however you're reading it. And we'll just, basically, I'm going to let the Scriptures speak for themselves. I'm not going to make a lot of commentary in the interest of time. Starting with Matthew 4. And this is where Jesus is out being faced with temptations by the devil, and he's doing warfare. Verse 3, The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of Man, command that these stones become bread. Mind you, Jesus had not eaten anything for 40 days. And he answered and said, It is written, it is written. Man should not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, even the devil knows scripture. He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you'll not strike your foot against the stone. If it's like in my Bible, this... The Old Testament references are all in capitals. All in capitals. Something I don't like about our electronic Bibles, that you don't realize you're reading Old Testament scriptures when you see quotes there. So Jesus said, on the other hand, it's written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test, And then again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I don't know how he did that, but he did. And he said to him, all these I will give to you if you fall down and worship me, says the devil. And Jesus said to him, go, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him. And then the angels came and began to minister to him. So Jesus modeled for us how to use scripture against temptation from our enemy. And even if the devil chooses to use scriptures to trip us up. Okay, turn your Matthew to chapter 22. The next couple of verses I'm going to get directly out of Matthew 22. Going to Matthew 22, I'm going to start at verse 23. So on that day, some Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection. By the way, you know, because they didn't believe in the resurrection, that's why we call them Sadducees. Never mind. I had to do that. Sorry. I love that joke. I can't let it go by without saying it. They came to Jesus, and they were questioning him. They were trying to trip him up. And they asked, Teacher, Moses said, if a man dies having no children, his brother, as next of kin, shall marry his wife and raise up his children for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers with us. The first married and died, having no children, left his wife to his brothers. Also the second and the third, down to the seventh. And last of all, the woman died. Now, in the resurrection, therefore, whose wife of the seven will she be? for they were all married to her. And Jesus said, you know, you are mistaken. You're not understanding the scriptures nor the power of God. For the resurrection, you will neither marry nor give in marriage, but you'll be like angels in heaven. But now regarding resurrection from the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God? I love this, that Jesus says, having read it, you were spoken to by God through the words I love it. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, is not God of the dead, but is the God of the living. And when the crowd heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. That's addressing doctrine. And that is, if you have wrong doctrine, the scriptures will bring you into line very important to see how Jesus used that. The next one is this. Jesus, um, in this next section, starting verse 34, when the Pharisees heard that Jesus silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together. (laughs) Let's see if we can trip them up. They couldn't do it. One of them, a lawyer, that meant he was an expert in the law of the Old Testament. He asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second, interesting enough, there's a second. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says these amazing words. On these two commandments depends the whole law and the prophets. And while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus then asked them a question. I love this. Strike one, the uh, Sadducees. Strike two, the Sadducees, Pharisees. And then now, third time, Jesus goes for the hat trick. By the way, that's a sports term. Yeah, right. So you got it. Three times, right? So while the Pharisees are gathering, Jesus turns the table, and he asks them a question. So what do you think about the Christ, Whose son is he? And he said to them, the son of David? Oh, they said to him, the son of David. They knew something about the, the Messiah. He said to them, well, then how does David in the spirit say, Lord, saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until you put your enemies beneath your feet? Again, scripture, scripture. If David called him Lord, how could he be his son? No one was able to answer him a word, nor did anyone dare from that day ask him another question. Okay, now if you'll turn to Luke 24, L24, as I call it, Luke 24, this is our last passage of Scripture we'll do today. Oh, I meant to say one of the last. Luke 24, this is a great one. And this is how he addresses disciples. On the road to Emmaus, Jesus uses the Scriptures to open the minds of a couple of disciples. Luke 24, verse 25 says this. "O foolish men, slow of heart to believe. Now, while he's saying this, they don't know it's Jesus. His identity was not obvious to them. Oh, foolish men, slow of heart to believe in what the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ suffer these things to enter his glory And then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in the scriptures. Boy, was that a Bible study I wish I could have heard. That must have been fascinating for Jesus to go through all the scriptures that referred to him. I believe he probably even discussed the whole issue of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they were thrown into King Nebuchadnezzar's fire. And Jesus says, you remember the fourth one, the fire? That was me. And they didn't know it. Yep, that was me. I would have loved to hear that study. So we need another Emmaus Road experience in reverse. The disciples, they knew Moses, they knew the prophets, but they couldn't see the connection to Yeshua Messiah. They couldn't see it. Whereas the modern church now, we know Jesus as the Christ, but we're fast losing our grasp on Moses and the prophets and how they foretold everything that we know about Jesus. John 8 says this, the Father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day, Jesus said of himself. He saw it and he was glad. And they said, what? You're not even 50 years old, they said to him, and you've seen Abraham? And then Jesus says this, this is beautiful. The ver- verily, I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. I am. See, in our training, and our discipleship, it's incomplete without a conviction of how important the Old Testament is because it points very pointedly to Jesus. Now, maybe there's somebody watching online today or even here today who doesn't know Jesus as your Messiah as your Christ. Yeshua Messiah, you don't know him that way, but you need to. I want to pray right now for you. I'm going to pray some words and you can if in your heart, if they repeat repeat after me. No, don't do it out loud. Just do it in your heart. Prayer like this. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. I can't continue to live my life this way. Please forgive me. And Lord, I'm turning away now from anything that I know is wrong. Thank you that you died on the cross for me, Jesus, so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and you give me your Holy Spirit. Come into my life now by your Spirit to be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And if you prayed that prayer today for the very first time, you should tell someone. If you're in a sanctuary, you ought to let somebody know you can speak to me after the service. If you're online, if you wait till the end of the broadcast, you'll get a chance to respond and say, I prayed that prayer. Okay, so for the rest of us, here's my challenge to you. I have a set of challenges for us for the year 2022. How about this? Would you commit to reading The Bible in a year. You ever see those reading plans? You can read the Bible in a year. It'll take you 17 minutes a day. Five days out of seven. You get two days to break. All right? And get a plan that mixes the Old Testament with the New Testament together. So you're not just slogging your way through Leviticus. Okay? But it mixes them up. And it's really a helpful way. Get one of those readings and read the Bible next year. How about this? Do a study of the different styles of literature that's in the Old Testament. What do you mean, Bob? I mean, what parts are narrative? What parts are just the records or the chronicles? Where's poetry in the Old Testament? Where's David's songbook? How about the wisdom the prophecies? Before you open the New Testament, know what it is you're reading. And my last challenge is this. We are going to bring in, walk through the Bible to teach us about the Old Testament on Saturday, January the 22nd. And they're going to do this. They're going to give us an introduction, a taste of the Old Testament. And they're going to do it in three hours. Just in the morning alone, they're going to do that. And the hope is, and the expectation is, by the end of it, all of you will be hungry to read the Old Testament after spending time with us that morning. That's our hope, and that's our prayer. And you're going to learn key concepts. You'll memorize the key concepts of the Old Testament. Please, if you go online to our events section on our website, you can go in there and you can actually find out more about it and register for that event, Saturday, January 22nd. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you left us with this huge legacy, Lord, and your love and respect for the scriptures. Jesus, would you impart that to us now through your Holy Spirit? impart to us a love for all of love's word. Old Testament, New Testament, First Testament, Second Testament, Hebrew Testament, Greek Testament. God, that we love all of it as your word. And Jesus, please forgive us if we have been unhitching the Old Testament from our understanding of the Bible. Forgive us for that neglect, God. God. And we commit afresh, Lord, to be diligent to present ourselves approved unto God as a worker who does not need to be ashamed, Lord, that we might rightly handle the word of truth. This we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the NC4 Podcast. For more info, visit our website at nc4.org. We believe in the power of a connected life. If you prayed to give your life to Jesus today, we'd love to help you walk it out together. Just text the word Jesus to 610-816-6062.